Listen to me, I'm behind the machine. Your call has been forwarded. TQ4. What's up, TQ4? Hey, man. How you doing? Yeah, happy Saturday. How you doing? Great. Yeah? Good. Creating um, load balancers and things like that. Different configuration issues I was having got solved today. So that's good. Moving forward on that. Um, also, I think I've got a design for the 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 Stickman synthesizer meeting game. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, you saw the Stickman. Yes. And so they're going to be pushing around. Um, I guess they're going to be sort of like. like balls that they'll be bouncing or kicking that'll affect the different parameters of the music. Interesting. Yeah, that reminds me of a program that I ran on Windows 95 many years ago. And it was a room, a virtual room, and it had different colored balls that bounced on the walls and created different melodies. And you just basically threw the ball against the wall. And then it bounced on other parts of the wall and the floor and then balls. and and um, But it, that was a very primitive game, so I'm sure yours is going to be much more advanced. Well, the way I'm thinking about it is, you know, the relationship between a LFO and a filter, it yeah. sort of has an amplitude, like how much it moves, and it has a rate, like how fast it moves. And so... You know, when, when it's going fast and it's doing a lot, that's very intense. So if it's going slow, mm. at a lower range, it'll be less intense. So I was thinking, if you had one ball that controls the rate and the intensity of the LFO on the filter, then where that ball was in the room would determine how intense the movement would be with the filter LFO. Mm. And you take all, you know, all the polymod between the amplifiers and the envelopes and the filters and the oscillators and the, and the delay potentially and put all of those into XY coordinates and make a ball for each of those polymod interactions. Then the players would move the balls around to change the settings to synthesize. Oh, okay. And, you know, and then if it was if it was too intense, you would just move the balls from the upper right to the lower left, and it would get less of whatever the polymod. Very cool. And when are you going to release this? 
When are you going to release this? When I have a chance to work on it. Well, I've got the I've got the stick men climbing around, mm. and I've got the synthesizer, and I've got the meeting. You know, I've got all the elements of it. I just need to like build the final synthesis. Of it. You see how it's been kind of coming together over time. Yeah. It's baby synth. Right. Exactly. So and you- then I'm gonna have a thing where 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 you walk on the floor is going to change the sequencer notes. Oh. So the arpeggiator will be kind of always changing depending on where people are walking. So even if you're not moving the balls, you're still affecting the music somewhat. Yeah, and how many lines of code do you think you could do this in? Well, let's see. The stick man was about a thousand lines of code. Wasn't it? Let me look at the stick man project. So I would imagine that with a lot of your program, you're scaffolding your knowledge. You know, you're able to take lines of code from here to there in different projects, right? You know, I tend to, yeah, I'll copy, I'll copy some of the code from a project. Um, but often I'll start with a blank document and literally type in, you know, doc type HTML, create the head and the body, yeah. to make a script tag and start, you know, a canvas element and start typing into it. Um, you know, in some cases with the meeting software, um, you have to, um, you have to kind of install some libraries into a WordPress plugin so that you can authenticate the users and stuff like that. So a lot of that stuff is kind of copied from the documentation. And then, you know, I have certain things I do for synchronization. Um, you know, like say, you know, the, the messaging between the socket server, I have some code that will, you know, kind of queue up messages and, um, uh, break up and distribute messages into chunks in case they're too big for the socket. Um, so you know that that's connecting, literally connecting the you know the the one browser to the other one with a direct data connection. You have to communicate certain IP addresses and keys to each other, which you know you use a You use a a socket server um, to communicate addresses of the browser. So each browser on the internet, it's almost like its own server on the internet. So it can talk to other browsers as if it were a server um, using the WebRTC protocol. That's how you can have like video calls. 
from peer to peer or data from peer to peer. Um, similar technology you use with um, You can use for video conferencing. I'm going to be using Amazon Kinesis video streams. So it's really a data pipeline, and the video is just treated as data. Mm. It's kind of incredible that you can create. Um, you know, I can create a a video stream from the camera of a telephone, and then have that go up to a server. And get captured and encoded and distributed out to multiple other people in real time. So you know that's how Zoom works essentially. But that same technology, I can just get that on demand from Amazon times a hundred or a thousand if I need it. And then when the Amazon server goes down, what happens? Well. I think society has a lot of questions when that happens. Um, Amazon might not be our first thought, you know, because I mean, I think I think Amazon is resilient, but you know, it's subject to you know the end of the world like anything else. But I, I don't think Amazon's going to go away, um, you know, or just blink out one day for no reason and we'll have to like investigate it. I don't think I think it's too big to fail, and it you know it's literally distributed architecture. Mm. You know you can get your own Amazon outpost, which is like like having your own region. So you know there's you know there's Ohio and Vermont and um, Oregon. Um, you know, there's all these different places where Amazon has all of these giant containers full of servers that millions of people use every day. So, you know, as, as long as, and you know, they're going to probably be, you know, they'll be on longer than the electrical grid because they have their own backup power. So, I think the grid is more of a concern. Your instructor is one of the finest pilots this program has ever produced. Maverick. Tom Cruise Maverick. I'm, uh, YouTube Jambots. Procedure. After a bit, I wasn't expecting an invitation. Yeah, it's playing Tom Cruise. Let's see. They're called orders, Maverick. YouTube Jambots. <laughs> I don't think I'm on YouTube. Hello? Yeah, so, hello. I, I, I was saying that, you know, on Amazon, I can have you fill out a form, and I can create a server and install software on it and send you an email with the login, and, like, in one minute, you can have a, a website, you know, with your logo and your name built on a secure subdomain um, of your choosing and then, you know, ultimately hook that, move it to a different host or hook it to a different domain or whatever. But the ability to um, create infrastructure with code is really incredible because it used to be really, you know, a lot of work to get a server and a domain and everything put together. 
Um, and then they're running multiple load balancers with um, multiple Amazon machine images. It's like I can I can take a a, a website on EC2 and kind of make a zip file of the whole server and just create a copy of it in less than a minute and have it like wake up and run software. It's just crazy. It's crazy what's possible now. And you know, and what we're going to be doing in the future is even more fantastic. It's like there'll be these containers that only exist when someone's looking at them, you know, like they won't even be actual servers. They'll just be sort of um, memory spaces full of WordPress. You know, it's kind of mysterious. Strange that WordPress kind of took over the world because it's so uh, archaic and it's kind of text-based format. Yeah. That's the future? You know, this WordPress is the most dominant platform for, for the web and it's literally just uh, PHP and JavaScript and HTML, CSS, just text files up on, up on the internet that make you know, the most robust platform. Most people use it. It's free, easy to modify. You know, millions of people are professionals working with it, and it's just made out of text files. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. And then the beautiful thing is I can create a WordPress plugin by typing into a text file and I can use the Amazon Web Services PHP SDK. So I can just create a plugin and put it on any WordPress site and start building servers or uh, networking or artificial intelligence. There's, there's a million Amazon Web Services that do all this great stuff and you can do it all you can control all of that infrastructure with a simple WordPress plugin that'll run anywhere. It's very, very powerful. Wow. Um, yeah, the thing I'm more interested in, though, is the real-time applications, where you know you have a telepresence for your shared simulation. Um, I, I think that's, that's, that's what's exciting. I think the infrastructure is interesting, but it's not exciting. Like uh, interaction device. You know, and as I said, is you know, if we can make you know make some games that people like to play. Be fun to you know have have a team of people working for me, so I can take these ideas and like literally turn them into products without having to dedicate a year of my life. And yeah, like your D and D game, product. you know that that's really great. You know those figures look walking all over the graph paper. Yeah, some kind of augmented reality that you place on that allow people to create dungeons. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, but there are some different kinds of 3D dungeon games that I was playing around with. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, so, you know, I think the, the thing that really captured my heart, though, is um, 
uh, using MIDI and synthesizers right in the browser. So being able to make a synthesizer in the browser that I can control with MIDI in the real world, or having you know a sequencer in the browser that's controlling a MIDI instrument. You know, it's the idea of doing that all in like a, a meeting shared data environment. I mean, I've always, you know, dreamed of having people with arpeggiators and voltage triggers all in sync and room together. It's hard to get, get four people with arpeggiators in one room, you know. And even get them hooked up is more of a challenge. But if it was just a website to sign into, you know, then then people who are, you know, maybe they don't know anything about synthesizers could play it like a, you know, like a soccer game, and then other people could actually dig into the, you know, the wiring of the polymod. And uh, would this all be portable in the future? I heard that we're not even going to be using phones in the future. They're going to look at this period and they're going to laugh. Yeah. what you know what okay what's how amazing could music be like you know if I could imagine some music and you could hear it exactly as I imagined it and then you could imagine something with it then you know we just like start sitting up you know in our, our own room with a, a helmet on and then the neural link goes through the star link and connects us in real time Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, that's probably where it's headed. But, you know, I think, um, there's, you know, I think there's a lot, a lot to, to, um, to do with synthesizers as far as, like, understanding, um, how to get all the different sounds, you know? It's like, there, there's not, I mean, there's infinite sounds, but, yeah. Well, what do you think you the know, future is? Is the future going to be more computing VR experience? Well, I think the distance telepresence reality is going to introduce a little richer interaction environment. You know, because you know, in, in the room we could hear each other's speaker and we could maybe share MIDI clocks or notes or trigger or whatever. Um, you know, or we could sing together. But, you know, I think in a, a virtual environment we could have much more complex interactions between generative music being controlled by our intention. So, you know, we could have... Required. Yeah, maybe, maybe mastery 
This is Kraftwerk's 2012 concert called No Nukes. Have you heard it? Seen it? No Nukes. No Nukes, 2012. Yep. Yeah, just go check it out. Well, there's a lot of potential for electronic music, and I'm not just talking about MIDI 2.0. You know? Do you agree? Um, yeah, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, as long as we don't have a Chernobyl incident with generative music that destroys, you know, thousands of miles of otherwise usable musical space. What did you think about the AI Bach experiment that I sent you? Good first try. Do you think the machines are going to learn and get better? No, I think it's going to take us a longer time to appreciate their aesthetic properly. Really? It's the first time you hear something strange, it's hard to hard to get it. So that, that's what I think. I think that there's probably a um, you know, a Like when you listen to, you know, Graceland and the African musicians were influenced by uh, Paul Simon's music, and so they, um, you know, they were able to 
you know, and I think that's, that's where humans and computers are, are at now. You know, people are listening to robots on Spotify without even knowing it. Right. You think they should just give up AI with music? Do you think there's a future of AI in music? Um, well, I think... And I, I, and I preface this, sorry, but I preface this question with the idea of how much music is already being made by machines anyways, and I'll leave it at that. So, sorry. Go ahead. I'm just saying that you have to think of the audience. If the audience is AI and they're paying with cryptocurrency, they should probably, I mean, it's natural that they would want to listen to AI-generated music that they can relate to. It's not racist or humanist. So yeah, I, I think, you know, we have to stop saying Android. Only so Android is, you know, it's a feeling, but we have to call them, uh, you know, they're not, they're not humanity challenged. They're, they're, <laughs> they are intelligence and not artificial intelligence. It's humanist to say that. Okay, so how how are people how are people buying music with cryptocurrency? Non refundable token. What's it called? NFT. That's what it is. You just invented a new Bitcoin is at 57,148 per Bitcoin. 